The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist, small to mid-cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Thompson Resources to get an update on its work towards establishing a 100 million ounce silver equivalent resource under its hub and spoke strategy in the New England Fold Belt, which straddles the New South Wales and Queensland borders. Thompson is busy elsewhere too, with the company putting together a program of work for its tin and gold exploration projects down in the Lachlan Fold Belt in New South Wales. It is a story that Thompson has taken to the US market where it is looking at over-the-counter listing because if there's one thing we know, it's you investors just love silver stories. It's all up, exciting times for Thompson, which looks to be on its way to delivering something this market has been crying out for for years. And that is a dedicated silver producer of scale that can bring the economies of scale and flexibility that this market wants to see in a silver stock. On silver itself, the white metal has come off recent highs but at US $22.70 an ounce, it still remains well ahead of last year's calendar average of US $21 an ounce, and well ahead, of course, of the average of 2019 of $16 an ounce. It seems that industrial applications of the metal look to have come to the party in recent times, keeping silver at good levels while gold goes through its gyrations for a whole bunch of other reasons. Just a reminder that Thompson trades under the code TMZ, or Tango Mike Zulu, it posted last sale of 8.3 cents for a market cap of about 38 million. We have Thompson's executive uh, chairman with us today, David Williams, uh, to bring us up to speed on the Thompson story. So with that, g'day David, welcome to the podcast and thanks for your time today. G'day Barry, always a pleasure having a chat with you. Good stuff. Now, the uh, hub and spoke strategy, how's that uh, coming together? Yeah, look, it's uh, a lot of activity going on at the moment as far as uh, that's concerned. Probably not seeing a lot out there in the public arena, but that's not meaning that we're sitting with our uh, sitting on our hands and doing nothing. We, I feel sometimes we're a bit like that proverbial duck. Where there's a lot of activity going under the water <laughs> or underneath the water, but you, you don't necessarily see it. So, uh, um, but yeah, no, look, it's... Uh, Progress is constantly being made and we're constantly learning more and more about the, um, the the different projects that comprise the New England Fold Belt Hub and Spoke strategy. And I, yeah, the one that's really starting to uh, come out as, as a, a, a top project is that Silver Spur one. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Texas in Queensland? That's Texas in Queensland, not to be confused with Texas in the USA, of course. Although I do love telling people I'm just coming back from Texas. So. <laughs> It's a bit like uh, Paris, Paris, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just before getting into um, Texas, I've mentioned the 100 million ounce sort of uh, initial target, but you have put out a 21 million ounce resource for Conrad down in New South Wales. That's right. Yeah? That's correct. Yeah, that, Barry, that was the first of the uh, mineral resource estimates that we're doing. And uh, as listeners will recall, you know, part of the ASX listing rules requirement. Uh, uh, 
something that we were going to be doing anyway is that we need to restate all of the deposits, all of the previously published resources. We need to restate those ourselves mm-hmm. and we need to restate them all according to Jork 2012. And it might sound like that's a simple task when they've already been published, but if you want to make sure you've got robust numbers and as a, you know, with an eye on developing um, a um, the hub and spoke strategy and developing the the mining and the processing of these projects, you know, we're putting a lot of time and effort into to that exercise to make sure we've got it right. And the first of those that you've seen out is is Conrad, um, and uh, you know naturally being the first one uh, that we've been working with AMC, uh, our resource geologists on. Yeah, you know, there's a lot lot more working out what we're doing and how we want to structure it. So that that took a little bit longer but a good outcome. I mean, it came out not only with a very similar number uh, as far as the resources are concerned, you know, similar in grade, similar in ounces, mm-hmm. but also it actually came out with a, a greater proportion in the indicator category versus the inferred category. Yeah, it's a, a greater confidence there. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that I think nearly all of these silver projects that we'll be talking about today have some sort of uh, history to them, but that's that's the, a key part of this hub and spoke strategy is that on an aggregated basis, the, uh, it's going to be uh, what might have struggled or had issues in the past become better as the one unit. I, I think that's right, um, Barry, and it, you know, the, this area of the New England Fold Belt very similar in a sense to what we have in our area of the Lachlan Fold Belt, which we'll come on to later on. But it, it's it's an area that was very active back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and, and really sort of kicked off a lot of the, the silver mining and the silver activity uh, in, in, in a, the eastern states of Australia and particularly in, in New South Wales. But, but then waned and got forgotten and I think you know people would come back and look at the individual projects knowing that they had been mined and and would look at it and come to the conclusion that yeah it could be good but uh, maybe it's not going to go anywhere it's not large enough um and and I think you know that was our our first impression when we looked at Webbs and Conrad you know nice projects and Conrad good polymetallic project but not large enough to to stand on their own two feet, and and that was when then we embarked down the pathway of why don't you aggregate them all together and and then bring those resources to a scale that not only gives you that um, length of mine life um, th- that therefore helps you ride the the troughs as well as the peaks, but also gives you that level of flexibility and optionality. Um, that you know, if you're getting some issues in one area, or the commodity price is down, and in part of the, the the minerals in one area, then you can switch across to the others. And so, yeah, it, you know, bring them together. You've got you've got to do your work. You've got to do what we're doing at the moment of really understanding the metallurgy of the the different mm. deposits. But if you crack that nut, and we believe we're well advanced to to cracking that nut, then you've actually got a project that's going to work and with a number of those benefits that I just referred to. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that no one has ever consolidated these uh, silver uh, positions in the New England fold belt before into the one sort of under the one umbrella. 
That's that's right. This is the first time all of these projects have, have been under the one umbrella. Uh, yes, you had Webbs and Conrad under the Silver Mines umbrella. Um, you had at one stage Silver Spur and Texas under the Alcyon uh, umbrella. But you've never had all five projects under under the one, and and mm. never looked at in in an aggregate way like like we're doing, like what you actually often see in perhaps in a more broken up way. But we often see it over in Western Australia, particularly with the gold projects. Now uh, we're talking about hope hub and spoke strategy, so you immediately think of wheels. But uh, Texas in Queensland, uh, this uh, historic silver spur mine. Uh, shaping up as a bit of a mag wheel by itself. Uh, it is, it is. And, and we, we've got to remind ourselves, of course, is that the Silver Spur mine was what kicked it off in this region going back in those late 1800s, 1800s. And, and, but for the fact that their processing um, uh, methods were terribly sophisticated or efficient back in those days, it, it probably would have produced a mo- lot more and kept on going. But, you know, back, back then it was getting... Silver grades of thousand grams per ton. That the, the zinc was in the in the double figures. Uh, you know, even the slag heap that sits there on Silver Spur runs at about twenty five percent zinc. So yeah, you know that it, it's an area with a good pedigree, and it's one that as we've gone into now looking at core that had been drilled by previous operators and and doing our own metallurgical work. You know, we're continuing to see in those more modern holes, those high grades, you know, in the in the region of 800 grams per tonne. And more importantly, we're seeing very good recoveries, you know, recoveries in, in that 80 to 90% of both the, the silver and the zinc. Yeah. So uh, at Silver Spur, you're still in a sort of uh, data gathering stage? Well, we're, we're a bit beyond the data gathering. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we've pulled to, we've pulled together the database. We've we've been through the the, the historic samples and and time. We've pulled together now a, a robust, uh, reliable database, and we're at just at that cusp at the moment of completing the geological models and the mm-hmm. and the wireframe models, ready to hand over. Uh, all of that data uh, to uh, AMC, the resource geologists, for them to co- commence the work on uh, the the statement or the restatement or statement of the mm. mineral resource estimate for Silver Spur, and and it's important. That's an important part where we get to because having crunched those wireframes, having crunched that geological model, that then in itself starts throwing up. Where do we go next? You know, where, where do we where do we place the drill rig to um, uh, to 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 increase the resources or, or find new areas of of the resources in that in that location? Mm, okay, so what sort of time scale are we looking at there for that flip across to you know, growing? Uh, I, as I said on, on the on the mineral resource estimate, I'd, you know, we should see that next month coming out. Um, you know, barring any sort of issues that come up through it, and and that sort of fitting in a bit with our time frame of, of when we want to kick off the the, the New England Fold Belt um, drilling and exploration programs, and you know that'll be largely focus on on drilling but it'll also involve some additional geophysical surveys to help us target new areas where we we'll want to bring the drilling in so we, you know, we really had to get in our t- key target areas that that 
that comfort in the in the database of of historic information, um, the comfort in our understanding of what's going on in the area, and and our comfort on you know, where we're going to find the high grade and where we're going to find the high grade that is going to be easily recovered. And and in the case of Silver Spur, we're pretty much there. And in the case of Conrad, we we know that already where we, we're going to be. Uh, in the case of the other deposits, we're we're still working through that. But uh, you know, you're going to start seeing some announcements soon um, about the programs going forward and the commencement of those programs. Right. If I could, uh, one that people, whenever I'm talking about Thompson to people, they always ask me uh, what you're up to at uh, Mount Carrington. I guess it's uh, <laughs> yeah, fairly famous in uh, some people's minds. Well, that's right. I mean, we're often asked or that, but again, it, it's a it's a it's a slightly different situation, and that's probably why you don't hear much about it. Yeah. We don't talk much about it. You know, unlike the other projects where we're a hundred percent owners of those, and they you know fairly and squarely fit within the hub and spoke strategy. The Mount Carrington project is an, is an earning, and and that's uh, where we have to do certain work within um, certain parameters in order to earn an interest in the project. And the parameters are the the gold first um, approach, which was uh, defined. Probably the best way to put it was defined in the preliminary feasibility studies, the PFSs that was done by White Rock in. 2017 and mm-hmm. was updated in 2020 and that's focused on the Strauss the, the pre-strip pits of Strauss uh, Kylo North and Kylo West uh, and and you know the first stage of that earning is to take the PFS to a, to a definitive feasibility study or a DFS uh, and also to prepare and submit the environmental impact statement the right. EIS and so we've been doing a lot of work again behind the scenes on that, um, pulling together the, the the consultants, and you know we we make sure we use best of breed in Australia as far as those consultants are concerned. So it's been a matter of working with them, scoping up that project, working out what additional information we need to to have, and in the case of. Uh, of the EIS side, the environmental side, it's also developing up that community engagement strategy and and talking to the the local people. and And I've already done a, a, a quite a tranche of that back in uh, in August of going around and seeing not just for Mount Carrington but for all the hub and spoke projects, mm-hmm. the the local members, the local councils. Um, and and those interested parties, just letting them know what we're about, what we're doing, what the bigger picture is. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, very important that uh, that community engagement. Now, the Lachlan Fold Belt. Uh, you touched on it before, but it looks like it's going to be a busy sec- uh, December half. You've been working up targets, drill targets. Yeah, so we're certainly, again, this is another one of those where uh, <clears throat> yeah, Owen might seem to be very quiet, but he's, he, he's pulling out all the information, pulling them together and analysing them. And yeah, we had this period down there uh, in the Lachlan Fold Belt of um, the crops are on. And you know, we right. had to finish up our drilling back in May because the farmers wanted to sow their crops and, and we worked 
very closely with and very well with with the local farmers. Uh, but then we're sort of off the ground through to well, really it's uh, it's end of late November, early December, and so we use this period, and no one uses this period to you know work up and refine the programs for the next tranche of drilling and it, it's been a bit wet through the through the uh, the winter months and so we think it'll probably be a later start uh, as far as um, getting on the ground with drill rigs um, you know we're also like a, a, a lot of companies um, uh, you're, you're having to to work through the COVID restrictions as far as drillers and and their crews and their rigs are concerned and and that can slow things up a little bit um not to mention the fact that there's a hell of a lot of exploration activity still going on in australia so uh, uh, drill rigs are in high demand and uh, uh, we should have something uh, out of out about that uh, uh, very shortly if, if not already Mm, okay. Uh, I mentioned the um, looking at the in the US the over the counter potential move, uh, responding to, I guess to what the demand in from US investors for uh, silver equities. Yeah, and I took you know we we started down the pathway of uh, of of investors out of the US and in, in that last raise back in March, and mm. and that's when we worked with Roth Capital out of out of the US to. To, to do a, a first tranche of, of capital raising, uh, they've remained and continue to be uh, very interested, very supportive and, and keen to work with us in, in further capital raisings. Um, one of the things is we've been talking to them about um, uh, you know, the next raise is the, the need to now have some recognition uh, in the US uh, and, and the starting point is OTC. And and coupled with that, uh, ultimately is the is the DTC, so the deposit trustee company, where US investors, not not so much the institutional investors, but but US retail investors mm-hmm. are then able to trade the stock without necessarily having to go on the on the ASX. So. Yeah. That that's sort of well advanced at the moment, and it's just it's as always. There's another piece of paper you've got to find to put it in. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we're pretty close, and um, yeah, that that interest in the US is is very strong, uh, remains very strong, and and, uh, and that also extends through to uh, UK and Europe, where you know there's that interest in in silver. And a, a silver play as such um, is is it's much stronger than perhaps what you have seen in the past in Australia. Although I think we're starting to see that a lot more, particularly amongst institutional investors. Mm. One of the the big metrics in the US market, of course, is enterprise value per resource ounce. Um, uh, I think we can safely say um, Thompson is uh, at the starting start uh, stalls with its. Uh, EV per resource ounce, but I was just wondering, um, do you obviously you see that uh, reflected in your market valuation as you say add the resource base uh, from Silver Spur and then add the others as they come in? I oh, look, I think um, Barry, the, the the first thing that I've noticed, yeah, and that there's good days like uh, Silver Squeeze Monday, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are bad days like Silver Squash Tuesday, or or even where we are at the moment, where mm. the the silver price is is 
depressed from where perhaps it has been or more importantly where it should be and we now find we're very closely linked to that so consequently we've sort of come down um in in price and and consequently and in uh, ev per per ounce as a mm. as a result but um yeah we 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 are very well placed on that and the, and that recent um uh, pitt street research analyst report they they made that observation of not only in comparing us with uh, with uh, two other australian listed companies but then also looking at a couple of companies with which are with similar analogs in um in Mexico and Argentina, which had multiples uh, mm. in value on it, so so yeah, that's where we sit at the moment. But then the other side of it, we we know is that as we get into the the expiration and the extensional uh, work as we go forward, that we're we're very confident we're going to see a a, a natural increase in those resource ounces. Which of course, if our market cap doesn't move, will just sort of mean that the uh, that the, the EV per ounce will be even lower. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we see some tremendous upside um, as we are able to focus on that, you know, without having to go off and acquire further um, ounces from other other uh, uh, operators. All righty, David, um, giving us a good rundown there. But if you could just uh, bring it home in terms of uh, wrapping it up for investors, what they should be looking out for, say, before year end. Thompson's been very active in the in the last 12 months and maybe appears to have been a little quieter uh, over, the, over the current and more recent months. But what investors are going to see is, as we start to get towards the end of the year is, is the activities going to increase? And, and that's not just going to be the completion of the mineral resource estimates, the metallurgical studies, uh, and the completion of of the, the remaining transactions. It's, it's going to be the commencement of uh, drilling programs in the New England Fold Belt, drilling programs in the Lachlan Fold Belt, and the adding to the story and the adding to the ounces and the the definition of uh, of what the processing facility is going to be about. So, look, it might have seemed to have been a quiet couple of months um, while everyone's in lockdown, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, like everyone's getting out in, in Sydney and, and uh, enjoying life again, you're going to start seeing that with Thompson as, uh, as we move to, towards the end of this calendar year and beyond and into 2022. Mm, yeah, I was just thinking as you were outlining all that, the uh, 2022 shaping up is a big one because it's obviously taken time to assemble one, the uh, the deposits that will make up the aggregated project and then work as you work through and uh, update the resource bases and then go and do your ex- extensional drilling and your exploration drilling. And it all comes together in a big way in uh, 2022 by the sounds of it. Oh, it does, Perry. And, and what's, you know, what's key and what's important is that you do it right. And you do it right. You 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 make sure you understand it, and then it, it's just all going to be positive. But yeah, no, I always I always remember Steve Nano from Global Law saying to me, David, you're, you're just at the starting line now. <laughs> now, now, now the five thousand meter race starts, and uh, I, yeah, twenty twenty two is going to be a, another busy year for Thompson Resources. Alrighty, David. Well, thanks for that rundown on the company, and uh, we wish you all the best with it. We'll be uh, watching with interest. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Barry. Nice talking to you again. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.